Hi, and welcome to On the Road. I am your host, Rick Courier. This is the podcast where you get to join me for coffee and cocktails with tech partner marketers. Together, we'll learn from their experience and have a little fun. And boy, did I have some fun today. I had the privilege of sitting down and talking to Melissa Nassarino, Vice President of Global Partner Marketing at Zscaler. I'm not gonna lie, I was a little tired going into this one. I had taken the morning flight from Boston after staying out way too late the night before having drinks with my team. But with a seven hour layover in New York, I couldn't miss the opportunity to head into the IDG and Foundry Midtown offices to chat with Melissa. We popped some Prosecco on air, and then we got to work talking about partner marketing. I got totally energized learning from Melissa, and I think you will too. In this episode, we talked about how to take a step back in your career to actually propel yourself forward, how to approach having a new boss, and how to lead an organization as the new boss. And last but not least, the four key elements to drive partner marketing results. So sit back, pour your drink, and join me for some fun on this episode of On the Road. Melissa, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's so great to be here. So this is the first episode in New York City. You get to be part of that. It is. I love it. My home state, my home city here, and in your beautiful office right outside of Bryant Park. I love Bryant Park during the holidays. It's, it's so nice. I feel like, you know, with Christmas coming up, I have little kids at home, but I really feel it when I come to New York. It is. It's, we just had a team uh, of people here for a conference uh, last week, actually, and it is such a special time. It is so unique. I think that the holidays in Manhattan, definitely, it cannot be beat. And especially the entire village that you have right outside of your office here. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's just bustling. There's so many people. And, you know, I go to some cities post-COVID and, and some have come back, some have not. But when I'm here, like, I feel like New York's back. It's just, it's busy. <laughs> it is. It's very busy. Think about it. It's the middle of the day, walking through Grand Central, walking through Bryant Park. I mean... It is definitely bustling. Yeah, yeah. So we're doing something a little different today. Usually I have coffees or drinks already ready to go. I asked what you wanted. You said Prosecco. So I'm waiting to open it on air. So this could go wonderful or terribly. I don't know. We'll find out. We'll see. All I'm right. trusting you. <laughs> Let's do it. We're going to do it. So if you're watching this on YouTube, you see I'm opening a bottle, but you're listening to this on audio. Hopefully you don't hear a loud explosion and people running for their lives. And I had someone ask if I should do this beforehand. And I was like, no, we're just going to wing it because that's, that's what this show's all about. Just hide that back there. I picked your favorite, right? I love Prosecco. I really do. I feel like it's underrated. So I don't know, but after this, we may never have one again. So <laughs> should have brought a trash can, guys. All right, let's see here. <laughs> I, won't, I won't aim it at the camera, guys, because that could be terrible. Here we go. This makes for a terrible audio sound. There we oh, go. Look at there that. There you go. All right. Okay. This is going to be a real holiday podcast. Hopefully, it doesn't spill it everywhere. You did an excellent job. There we go. I was a little nervous. <laughs> I was too. I was a little shaky. <laughs> well, cheers. Cheers. Welcome to On the Road. Thank you. I'm not going to lie, I kind of need this. So we, uh, we, uh, 
I did a little holiday party last night in Boston. We were out, out with the team. Out a little bit too late. We were out till about 1 a.m. So I was on a 9 a.m. flight to New York this morning. So care of the dog. Uh, you know, I think, you know, as the podcast goes on, I think it's just going to get better and better. <laughs> so, I, all right. So I'd love to dive in a little bit on your career progression because I feel like that's always helpful mm-hmm. to the listeners. Some people are listening or at your level, have a lot to learn from what you're doing. But I think a lot of people want to get to your level. So I think it's always interesting to hear how you got to where you are. But first, before we do that, why don't you just tell people what you're currently doing and then we can go a little bit backwards in time. Sure. Uh, I am the Global Vice President of Partners and Alliances Marketing at Zscaler. I am just coming on month four in the role. It has been an amazing first few months, such a tremendous opportunity, a phenomenal partner ecosystem, and there's so much opportunity that we have. So I'm really excited about the new role, about our team, about the extended teams that are flocking to Zscaler because they see that there's just something you know special about really this moment in time, this next chapter in the company's book. Um, we often talk about you know going from one billion to five billion, and it is a really unique place to be able to be. And I'm just thrilled to be able to be a part of it and really head up the marketing organization supporting our partners. Um, so yeah, newbie at Zscaler, but certainly not new to the channel, to the partner ecosystem. Yeah, I've spent a lot of time uh, at Palo Alto Networks over at Netscope, but before all of that, you know, this wasn't the path I was choosing. I think like so many people say, how, how did you get into tech? How did you even know this was an industry? And I didn't. Um, I was a political science major. I was planning to go to law school. I took the LSATs. I was interning for the New York State Assembly. And then I got offered a full-time job working for the New York State Assembly, working for then Assemblyman Mike Spano. And people often ask me, so I often tell the story, and I usually say it was just serendipitous how I fell into technology. Before that, though, did you you have aspirations to go into government or politics? Is that Yeah. Okay. That was, I was really in the thick of things, exactly what I thought I should be doing what I wanted to be doing. That was, you know, that was the path that I was on. I wasn't thinking about anything else. I wasn't looking for opportunities. I absolutely loved the work I was doing. Um, And it's such a great foundation too, because I got to, at a young age, work on public relations, community outreach, legislation, and campaigns on the political side of things. So the opportunities that I was given at that young age, they're, they're irreplaceable. And I think about that and I often go back to that as well. Like, hey, how do you know how to do these things? Or did you, how did you get exposure to this? Yeah. And a lot of it was from those early years doing a little bit of everything, hmm. but also having that exposure. So it. it sounds like a lot of that actually translated into, even though you weren't doing tech, but you got really refined and polished in what you're doing for tech. Yeah, it's, I mean, when you think about it, you're, if you're in politics, you're selling a person, you're trying to share what their vision is, why should, you know, the public, the constituents put their, you know, vote for them, put their trust in that person, mm-hmm. move over to, you know, any type of a vendor side or a sales organization, 
And it's a similar motion. You're trying to earn trust and respect for the partnership, mm-hmm. but also in the product or the solution that you're you're trying to, you know, to have a customer adopt. So those motions, you know, at least for me, I've definitely drawn that nexus between them. And if you think about that integrated marketing strategy, those are very similar motions. We have awareness, we have PR, we mm-hmm. have partnerships, outreach, uh, messaging. Certainly competitors. Competitors, <laughs> yes. So, all right, it sounds like you were on the path that at the time you wanted to be on, that you're supposed to be on. Why the switch and how the switch? Um, that is the part where, you know, it was not a story that I had written for myself. Yeah. Um, and I think back and it comes down to sponsorship, which is a word we use now that we didn't use then. Um, my then boss, who is now the mayor of the city of Yonkers where I live, Mayor Mike Spano, he went to lunch with a friend of his who happened to be a CEO mm-hmm. of a company who owns a data center, raised floors, fire suppression systems, think about outsourced managed hosting, Yeah. who said, I'm looking for somebody to join our marketing department to head up corporate communications. And during that lunch, my then boss said, I have somebody who would be great. She knows nothing about technology. She's a good writer. So think about that. I, nothing that I could have ever dreamed of an industry. I knew nothing about a career path that that's, it's not really what I was wanted to do at the time. Yeah. I was on my path. I was in government. I was in politics. I was going to go to law school. That was the path that I, that was the journey I had set forth for myself. But in that one moment where somebody was, you know, really a sponsor and an advocate to say, take a chance, hire this person's resume doesn't look like it's going to match, um, is really what changed my entire career trajectory. Wow. That's, you know, just, just to pause there real quick. Talk about the the quality character of your boss at the time, because what he's doing is meaning like I have someone that's great on my team. I'm suggesting she leaves my team. Oh, that was huge. Yes. And he said, I hate to lose her. Yeah. But I was also making very little money. And he also recognized that path for me of, you know, really uh, opening a new world. So it was somebody who was selfless. And saying, hey, I'm going to lose somebody that, that I have confidence in and yeah. doing the job. I'm going to put my faith in somebody to say, I'm going to recommend them to the CEO of this company when they have absolutely no experience yeah. <laughs> in, in this industry. Um, and then it took mentorship, too, because quite frankly, I don't want to go. Yeah, I was good where I was. I was happy doing what I was doing. I wasn't looking and, and again, I couldn't envision that path for myself at that time. So for him to say, you can always come back. The door is always open. And in that moment, you say, okay, I'm going to try this. And that's, that was the start. It's a big risk. Yes. Yeah, it was a little scary. It was. Yeah. Um, and I had great mentors at that company as well. I think a lot that were probably a little bit hesitant. I not even I think I know they've told me when I came in and it was the friend of the CEO and this, where is this person <laughs> coming from? But fun fact about that story, that same person then hired me into a different role oh, wow. at a different company that he helped found. Um, so every step of the way, I feel like I have had these amazing mentors 
you know, sponsors, name all of the names that we call things now. Yeah. But, and they do play different roles in your life and in your journey, but they can also be a little bit one in the same. And yeah, they, they taught me. They had patience because if I listened, if I started to understand, I could write. I knew that. Yeah. But I need to understand what I was writing about. Um, and yeah, I had just a great team there that surrounded me and welcomed me and helped me learn. And like I said, and from there, I got hired into regional reseller. Actually, our office wasn't too far from here. Okay. Worked in Manhattan every day, did this commute. Um, it tells a story, you know, we often say, what is going to get me to the next level? How did you get there? And obviously there's hard work, there's proving yourselves, there's learning, there's stretching, all of those good things. But there's also something to be said about spotlighting your own work, mm -hmm. making sure others know about it. Um, and again, that, that networking piece of it and having an ally, having a mentor, because for me, at every, every company I've joined has been absolutely a place where somebody has, has said, hey, I think you should interview for this role. Interesting. So you came here uh, to original seller here? Like, is that where, where you made your jump into partner marketing? It is. Okay. Yes. So I went from, you know, entry into, you know, into the tech world. Then I moved, which was also scary because I moved into a regional reseller doing unified communications. Okay. This was also completely different than what I knew. I knew <laughs> how to write about, you know, stack and rack. Yeah. Um, that we own a data center kind of thing. And I was like, what are you talking about? What do all these words mean? <laughs> And I was like, what are these new companies? But the company was a partner, uh, partner with Avaya, uh, Juniper. So I started to learn unified communications and data networking. Mm -hmm. But the real jump there was we, it was at the time where the voice and data networks were converging. That is so long ago now. Um, but what we recognized in that company was the data networking teams, networking teams were blaming the voice teams, voice teams were blaming the networking teams, and they didn't have clean visibility. So we're all of a sudden we're running voice packets over a data network, and this is like the biggest thing ever. Nobody knew what to do about it. So from there, we actually developed our own software to actually monitor quality of voice. Huh. Yes. But we recognized that we're like, hey, we're just we're just this tri-state partner. Yeah. This is so powerful. So we spun that off as a wholly owned subsidiary. Nectar Services, which is still doing phenomenal today. Huh. And all of a sudden, I went from you know running marketing for what was then a reseller partner to helping to build a channel from the ground up. Oh, wow. It was awesome. Huh. Yes. All right. So I kind of want to dig in a little bit of that, and we can, we can go beyond. But so... For people out there that are looking to do just that, build a mm -hmm. channel from the ground up, what advice do you have for those people? It, a lot of it came back to relationships. Okay. At the time we were this, we're brand new. I mean, we literally hired a brand agency to create our name and our logo. Yeah. I mean, it was that nascent. It was, but at the time we also had good relationships in the industry. So when we went to those partners and we said, hey, and this was also, it was so different because it was also a recurring revenue model versus 
the hardware sales that so many of us were used to. Mm -hmm. I make a hardware sale, I get a lot of money, I get a lot of margin, I'm gonna sell the services on top of it. But this was new, this was a managed service offering. So we were not only recruiting partners, earning their trust, based, a lot of those were based on relationships to start, try our product, you know, enable your sock with it, and then go from there. So we started with a small number of partners, mm. we just kept building, but it was definitely the relationships that I would say really our senior leadership was able to foster over the years where we were able to have other partners take that leap of faith. Yeah. And then it's this wonderful snowball effect where you're building this exciting brand and you have you know, really an ecosystem of so many partners that are also embedding you into their business. Um, a lot of bootstrapping, which is, it's fun. It, I, it's, it's I love fun. bootstrapping. So we, much fun. That, that's the nature of this podcast because we, yeah. you know, we have an existing production crew we use for editorial, and I'm like, wow, well, maybe I can use them for the podcast. And we, <laughs> we were at a conference, and very much so with the intention of we need to build relationships, we need to recruit and onboard and enable partners. They need to see us in this light. Yeah. And I, I just had complete editorial, you know, rights to carte launch. Um, so we made the Nectarita. Oh, what? oh yes. It was an orange drink. Oh, we I gave people it. free drink tickets. And they're <laughs> like, what? We, we, we made the drink by trial and error, which was yeah. a fun thing to do oh, here in New York. Yeah. And then I forget where we were, but we were at a conference and we basically told the bartenders, like when, when people give you this drink ticket, they, they only can get the Nectarita and oh, please pour it. it in this glass which was the margarita glass with yeah. our logo on it. These are the things that are so much fun. And I will say, if I talk to people now, that was so many years ago, they'll still bring up those stories. Yeah. No, it's, that, that's, I think, what makes this job so fun is just the creative ways to... It's not the big... I mean, the big, big brand campaigns can be fun, but I like those little those little things that we can do on the side and just have a fun... Because yeah. those are the ones you remember. You do? You really do. All right, so building something from the ground up, fast forward... Eventually, you end up at Palo Alto Networks, probably walking into a large ecosystem. Yes. So you've kind of seen both, both ends. I have. And there, too, is another, you know, it, it's, if you look at it, it looks like this great career trajectory. But for me, another pivot into an area that I was unfamiliar with, which was cybersecurity. Hmm. So I may have been in the industry for a number of years already, but I was moving into Palatine Networks, moving into uh, cybersecurity, into a partner ecosystem. Now, the general mechanics of it, you obviously know. But those partners were also largely different partners than I had relationships with. Yeah. So that was also starting a little bit from scratch for me. Um, and again, back to that you know, sponsorship, the people that brought me there were like, she can do the job. She'll learn the industry itself, but she knows the partner ecosystem. Um, and I'll never forget, again, so many memories here in Manhattan. It was John Spiliotis that, that said, come interview for this job. We think that you will be really good at it, and we need somebody to build. So the company was much bigger. The industry was exploding. Hmm. But I was there so early, right after the IPO, that I was actually the very first dedicated partner marketing manager hired Wow! as an individual contributor. I took a step back. I was yeah. managing a big team, 10 people, left that team. I went as an individual contributor, but also because 
I saw, I saw that road ahead. I knew what we would be able to build there. Hmm. And we did. I went, built the Americas team up, uh, got promoted into the global role there. So again, it's, I feel like there's been a, a lot of great experiences, but also a bit of leaps of faith, both for me and for the people that were sponsoring me and encouraging me. Yeah. Think about it. I'm leaving a team. I'm going to be an individual contributor. I didn't like. It. I was like, wait, what? Yeah, you know, it's funny because I've, I've seen so many people. You know, they're leaving to take that step up, but not necessarily looking that far ahead. And for you to take a step back, risk, but also see where that could potentially go, the yes. upside. I mean, I, I just see that trend kind of happening from, from the start of your career here. Yeah, it's and a lot of people ask that. Obviously, like, okay, what? How do I get to the next level? And I think it's really important to take such a broader view. I am so proud of the people I've hired who are in amazing positions now, but it might not look like, it doesn't look like that ladder. Yeah. Somebody might have to leave for you to get that next job. And you could say, hey, I'm in training. I want to be the number two. I want to take your job when you leave. And those are the people you want to hire. I always want somebody to want to take my job. You want to grow into that. But there's so many positions. I've had people who went from being a regional partner marketing manager or partner campaigns to running global campaigns. Carte blanche. This is huge. Or to moving on to the sales side. So I think that's a big, a big area too, which is it's not always what's right in front of you. Mm -hmm. There's an entire landscape of open roles and need for talent. What are you passionate about? Where do you want to lead a team or do you not? Do you want the just want the title? Like what what is that about? And I think it's when you start and have the honor to manage people, that is what what are we how are we progressing and developing that talent? But it can look like so many different things. I want to hit the pause button to ask if you received your latest customer engagement research from Foundry home of global editorial brands like CIO.com. Did you know that 87% of tech decision makers say that it's challenging to find high quality content when looking to make a tech purchase? Customer engagement is actually one of my favorite tech reports as it dives into the content consumption habits of tech decision makers. And it helps marketers understand the challenges and opportunities when marketing to tech buyers. The report goes into detail on how content's been consumed to help make purchase decisions, and how those consumption habits change based on the buying persona and where people are in the purchase process. Learn how to drive greater results through your marketing activities through the insights of Foundry's Customer Engagement Study. Get your free copy of Foundry's Customer Engagement Study by heading over to foundryco.com slash on the road. That's foundryco, F-O-U-N-D-R-Y-C-O.com forward slash on the road. And don't forget, If you want to support the show, subscribe to our new YouTube channel or give us a rating, like, or even a comment on your favorite podcast platform. Cheers. Might seem like a weird question, but do you, it seems from my perspective that you you have great perspective. You you, you do self-reflection and and see the big picture. Do you have a way to do that? I mean, is is it meditation? Do you go quiet, walk in the woods? Like... How do you see the big picture? Because, and where I'm coming from this is, I feel like I see this myself and so many people around me. 
caught up in the day-to-day, running from urgent email to urgent email, radio, TV, phones. It's just, everything's just bombarding us. It's hard to take a step back and see the big picture sometimes. It is so difficult, and we often get caught up in the tactile, everybody, because it's here, you have to answer this email, you have to do this thing. Um, And there's a great quote about action versus activity. We do a lot of activities. Um, And it's David Novak, who was the former uh, CEO of Young Brands, and he he wrote, he said, there's a lot, you do it. You run a report, you send an email. But he said what he learned at the progression of his career was to understand what are the actions that are going to move the needle. And I try to live by that. I use this, I've used this quote for over a decade. Mm. I just opened my team meeting with this quote. And it's, um, it was written in the New York Times probably 12 years ago. Um, but for me, you asked about you know that perspective. Yeah. Years of, of being in this, trials and tribulations, failing, that helps to give you that perspective. Um, and I think it helps when you've, you've lived it, you've seen it, because it also helps to give people perspective, but also calm people. I want people to be passionate. Um, I always think if you, you know, if you don't sometimes get frustrated, like, are, are we even that passionate about what we're doing? Like, that's part of it, but it's the levels of that. Um, but I've done a number of different jobs. We've held a number of different positions. And I do think it's time and experience that helps because I'm not a calm person by nature whatsoever <laughs> at all. Um, Sorry, I'm not either. It's like, I'm just not. People said that to me, like, you're really calm. I was like, thank you. <laughs> I'm just working really hard at it. <laughs> exactly. Like, this is one of the things. Um, but when you do that, when you take that step back, like for me, when I did that, when I went there and took, and it's not even a step back, it's just a, a, a step, well, maybe, you know, running a team, going, being into, yeah. you know, again, emotionally, that that wasn't like in my mind, I was like, what, what is this? But for my heart, you think that, but in your mind, you're like, I know, I know this is going to be amazing. So you also have to sometimes convince yourself of things, take the emotion out of it yeah. a little bit. Um, but yes, I think that just being in the industry, being having just just really grateful for a number of different things. And like I said, back to some of the people too, because feedback, I, it's a gift. And you need somebody to say, calm down or just, you know, for me, just speak a little bit more evenly, things like that. So yeah. you learn about yourself, but also I always look at it, I want my team to be the team that everybody wants to be on. Like, look at that team there. Not only are they amazing, not only are they delivering and accomplishing things, but they respect each other, they have fun, we're all growing together. So I just put it in that perspective of what what I want to be, you know, everybody should want to be on this team. Yeah, yeah, I love it, I love it. All right, so you took a step back. You went really far forward, Palo Alto. Then when you went to Netscope, where I think you were there a couple of years, was. did you go in right at the top leading an organization? What did that look like? I did. So I went in um, leading the, the global partner marketing yeah. uh, organization, so a similar role that, that I had. But we were also in build mode there. Mm. So I did hire probably just about almost that entire team. Hmm. Um because we were building that organization. So that was, I mean, it was so much fun to be able to do that. 
to be able to build some of the infrastructure and the strategy. And, I, you know, it was great. I had a great team there, uh, a great boss. So it was a fun challenge to be able to go from, when I left Palo Alto Networks, it was, you know, it was tremendous already. It was like 8,000 people. Um, to go into a smaller organization, back a little bit to that grassroots, yeah. you know, you get to do a lot of different things. Company is not public, which gives you all sorts of other <laughs> opportunities oh, yeah. um, and leeway um, to do that. And I was really proud of the work that we were able to do there, um, bringing the brand into the market, into the ecosystem. So it was a great run. I love it. Um, so now you're at Zscaler, and, and I want to get into that. But, but first, um, I want to try something new. Okay. So my goal with this podcast is obviously, obviously we talk shop, right? Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's aimed for other partner marketers. Um, but I want people to listen to these episodes and feel like they really know their guest. So I want to do a little speed round, some, some personal questions, <laughs> easy questions. Okay. I'm going to fill up my glass roll first and okay. take We're a pause. Take a sip. Because they say I talk too much and I never get a, a room for mid-roll. Until you so. had me on. You know, the problem is I, I let my guests do all the talk. Because, <sighs> let's be honest, nobody wants to hear me talk. I just end up drinking the whole time. So <laughs> I always have a great time. All right. So here we go. I have seven questions. You get to be seven. the guinea pig. I've never done this before. So let's see how it goes. And we didn't discuss any of this because nope. none of this is scripted at all. Nope. None of this. Okay. So I'm first, thing, first thing that comes to your mind, maybe make it be easy. Okay. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Okay. I love it. Uh, well, you did sales a little bit, right? Um, all sales reps drink coffee. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, current show or most recent show you were watching? Safe on Netflix. Safe. I don't think I've seen that. Yeah, mine was The Queen. Oh, it's it? a good one. Yes, I, I have. I've only seen the last season. Or I guess it's part one of the last season. You didn't start from the beginning? Well, my wife was watching it. I came in. I was like, is that Princess Diana? And she's like, it's the queen. I was, and I just so like, you, so, I, so I, you had to start in at the end. I started, I was in the kitchen, just like kind of watching a little bit. And I like sat down and then, and then I was crying by the last episode. This is the drawback of watching things together. Yeah. Well, she got really upset because then I travel a lot and then she couldn't watch it until I came home. Right. This, so exactly. Yeah, I know. Okay. All right. Um, you travel a lot too. Mm -hmm. Window or aisle? Oh, window. Yeah. Yes. Okay. All right. Cats or dogs? Both. Yeah? It's a long story. Okay. Huh? Um, favorite hobby outside of work? Hmm. Probably hosting family. Yeah? I love to host. I love to cook. Yes. Big, big Thanksgiving? Big Thanksgiving. Yeah, okay. How many redheaded friends do you have? Redheaded friends. <laughs> Two. Okay. I asked my colleague out in the car and she said zero. And I was like, I'm not your friend. Um, all right, last one. Three. Three? <laughs> That's just the booze talking. All right, last question. Fill in the blank. Taylor Swift is? Gosh, I think she's awesome. Yeah, okay, yeah. cool. All right. It wasn't too bad, was it? It wasn't too bad. That was fun. I didn't do two tricks. So one. funny story about Taylor Swift and how she has completely transformed the NFL. It's um, unbelievable. We have season tickets to the Jets. Uh, they were playing the Chiefs. But the text I got from my mom was, Taylor Swift is going to be at the game. She's dating a Jets player. I'm like, no, that's not right. It's not right at all. 
But that just shows you like the attraction that's pulled to the NFL. It's crazy. She's gonna be at she's gonna be at MetLife. And I was like, So did your mom does your mom not normally watch football? No. But did she watch the game? She didn't watch the game. She was just excited because yeah. she knew we were going to yeah. be there. Yeah. But I was like, we're like our seats are nowhere near where these are. Oh man, that's great. Oh, I love it. All right. So all right. So I hope that was fun. People get to know you a little bit better. Cats and dogs. I don't know how I feel about oh, that. Oh, it's a but. long story. We I was grew up with dogs. Um, we had no animals, but my husband wanted a cat many years ago. So finally we got this cat and everybody knows the cat. Like if people yeah. are listening, they know the cat. His name is Simmy, named after the wine. And everybody knows this cat. And they're like, Melissa, the cat. And my husband begged for a dog, begged. And I just said, we, I travel a lot. I don't think so. And finally I, I gave in. So now we have a dog. Her name is Molly and she's a lunatic. <laughs> and it's all I, cause I was like, I have this dog. She's an absolute lunatic. She is so lovable, but she's an Australian shepherd mini. Oh. Yes. She's a working dog. Yeah. My, my boss has, uh, I think an Australian shepherd and it's always barking in the background. Yeah. I mean, it's a so, sweetheart dog, but she doesn't energy. bark. Thank God. But yes, but high energy. Yeah. Uh, she's a working dog. I didn't do any research. I just trusted my husband. Like, <laughs> fine. You want this dog? I guess. We'll get a dog. So now we have both a dog and a cat. But yeah. the funny part about that story is I said, everybody knows the cat. I was sharing. I was like, we're getting a dog. And somebody goes, what, what about Simmy? <laughs> somebody I work with. And I was like, I know. I know we're going to ruin his life. I got to see a picture of this cat now. Oh, my gosh. There's a lot. Yeah. The cat and the dog. I love it. So now we have both. I love it. And they get along okay? On any given day, it can yeah. go either way. Yeah. Yeah. I have a, I have a, a chocolate lab. Um, and I have chickens. And so, you know, we, we were worried that the dog would eat the chickens, right? And so we got little chicks and I didn't, I knew nothing about chickens. Apparently they live in your house for the first like four months because they're, you know, they're little baby chicks and we didn't have any hens to keep them warm in the coop. So, so, but eventually I think they, the dog, you know, they were in a, like a dog kennel in the house for a couple months last winter. And I think the dog just eventually learned they're like part of the pack. And so, you know, a couple months later we go in the backyard, we introduce them and it went well, and now they just ignore each other. So I, I think the dog's a little protective of the chickens now, honestly. So it's kind of kind of interesting. See, yeah. yeah so. a little parental kind of dogs and know. cats, chickens and dogs—they can all get along. The, the chickens are the—I mean, you just you know you won the point right yeah. there. The chickens. <laughs> That's on my wife's idea. So, but it's nice because the kids—they go out and they get the eggs and they take care of the chickens. So the kids get involved. Just I'm cool with that. That's it's great to see. So. All right, back back to business here. You're at Zscaler now. I want to hear a little bit about the organization you're coming into, you know, how, from your perspective, how do you approach coming into a new organization? You know, like what, what does that process look like for you? And what advice do you have to other people coming into a spot like, like yourself? Yes. So um, definitely coming in to managing a team um, where uh, organization about 15 people right now and growing. So there's certainly that established organization in place where you're coming in and of course, people are like, okay, I have, you know, I have a new manager. I'm reporting into somebody new. They have a different style. And I think for me, the, the biggest part was really getting to know everybody on a, you know, that personal professional level. What is your role? You know, what are you most proud of? What are the challenges? Like, let's address those. Let's put those on paper because there's always challenges in any role in any organization. Um, I just had the entire team together, entire global team together at our headquarters a few weeks ago. Nice. 
two and a half days um, where we were able to do some fun things like a cooking class and a scavenger hunt across Santana Row. Oh, wow. But where we were also able to do both hear from our, you know, our executives that are there at headquarters, but also put pen to paper of how do we be better? What are those areas? And I think, you know, what I did with that team, I've done it a few times, I call it the post-it note exercise. There's always things that we should focus on for improvement. There's always going to be something or some point of friction in any organization. Um, and it's healthy to discuss, but it's healthy to discuss within a, a good context mm -hmm. of, okay, we're not getting down, going down a rat hole yeah. of negativity. Um, so the post-it notes is everybody gets post-it notes. You can write as many things as possible. Like where are the things that we need to focus to improve upon? Put them all up on the board and then we start to bucketize them. Because if one person is having a challenge, I bet other people are too. So yeah. how do we do this type of an exercise in a really productive way? And then look at it honestly. Some things are going to be outside of our control. We're never going to be able to change them. How do we, how do we better it, but or understand how to work within wh whatever that is? Hmm. And other things are completely within our control, and those are the ones that were like those. Hmm. Let's put them down. Let's focus on them. Let's improve upon them. You know, in partner marketing, reporting and metrics is always one of them, and yeah. it was certainly on our board too. So I think that was one of the things for me because you're coming in, you want to cultivate your talent, you want to get to know your team, but you also want to set forth what, you know, what that next step is going to be within this organization, within the company, how we contribute to the business. And for Zscaler, we've recognized that, you know, what got the company to one billion, which is amazing, such an amazing story, but we're going to go from that one to five billion. With that journey, we have to have partners at the center of our go-to-market strategy. So for me, joining one of the you know most attractive points was that go-to-market motion. Yeah. Now imagine getting from one billion to five billion will require some work with corporate and field marketing. What, <sighs> what does that look like to you? You just hit the nail on the head. Um, I always say. We will be, you know, I come from a big Italian family and I use that, you know, often to say we are all under the umbrella of like right now marketing, but even think about all of the resources, how we work with corporate marketing, how we work with campaigns, how we partner with PR and corporate communications. This is the strategy for success. It's not we need to hire 10 more people. Um, that doesn't, that just creates your own little silo or fiefdom. Mm -hmm. And then you're also duplicating work. Why would we duplicate work if I have experts in their field, whether it's digital or campaigns or PR or field or product or any of those things? The goal is that we embed partner marketing, partner go to market into the very fabric of that strategy and mm -hmm. we're all working together and i truly believe that um the team's probably laughing because I, I preach it this is how we're we're really most successful is absolutely working together and it's not about i need to hire all these people with all of these different roles no we need yeah. to hire people in strategic areas with certain expertise and then leverage all of these other resources and 
you also feel good. It's great to be part of a big team, yeah. an extended team. The teamwork, the results that we produce. We were just looking at this, you know, when we partnered with Global Events on AWS reInvent. Of course, our Global Events team has more expertise in large conferences hmm. than anybody, than any of us would. I've been there a number of times. So how do we partner and create those roles and responsibilities um, to drive the best outcomes? Leveraging that expertise that again each each person has in their in their own area. It, oh. It's not easy though. Yeah, I know. I love the reinvent example because it's specific, right? Mm -hmm. And so you know, it's it's one thing to talk about it abstractly, but yeah. to actually show in that specific example, like, did you approach the global events team? Did they come to you and say, "Hey, are you going to be at this event?" Like, how did that come to be? So, and um, many organizations, you know, I think that there's the large conferences that global events will handle, and then there's the other ones that, generally speaking, you know, partner marketing will run. Last year, partner marketing ran this event, and this year, it, I mean, it, the magnitude of this event absolutely really dictates for that kind of support. But we had to have that conversation. You know, do you have the bandwidth? Can you take this on? Um, and because it was a transition, we'd been there before, there are certainly areas where you're like, hey, there, there's wrinkles we're gonna need to iron out and how mm -hmm. everybody works together. But then when you start to see, okay, what does global events do? What does partner marketing do? What is the responsibility of sales or, or field marketing? And I think that those are the opportunities for us to just always maximize the investments that we're making, whether it's a conference or a campaign we, we, there's so many examples of that, but in, in that one, it was definitely going to the team, getting concurrence, but then also, I guess, kind of like feeling each other out, say, okay, where, who does what? But now going into next year, I'm so bullish on the joint partnership because we have lessons learned, yeah. great outcomes, but we also see where you know, what each team needs to bring to the table. Yeah, yeah. Now, with events like reInvent, are they really good at driving pipeline? Is it more about the relationship with the partners? Is it a little bit of both? Like, what, what's your events strategy? So, uh, for me, it's it's definitely all of the above. Okay. Um, now, when we're looking at investments like that, we're always going to look at the pipeline mm -hmm. generation at the end of the day. But, and we just talked about this, the pipeline generation is going to be what we can see in our system. Yeah. But if we talk to our sales leaders, and we did, the number of meetings they had by virtue of walking through the Venetian and riding into an old contact and having a 15-minute meeting, this is a true story, we're not going to see that anywhere in Salesforce. Yeah. It's never getting attributed to that campaign. So there's a few different things. We also engage new contacts. And again, of course, we're looking at pipeline generation. There's brand awareness. There's partnerships. All of our partners are there, whether mm -hmm. they're our technology alliance partners, whether they're some of our solution providers, whether they're AWS CPPO partners. Um, so there are, there's, we held a CXO breakfast with our CEO. So there's a number of different things that are facets to a conference of that size. But if you take a step back in many of the things we do, you could have multiple facets too. But um, as anybody who sits in mark in most functions in marketing, we will absolutely talk about pipeline generation, lead conversion. Yeah. Um, you know how can we create additional opportunities or expedite opportunities that are already in motion, meet new accounts. 
Um, the brand awareness is probably more difficult to measure, but we know it's there. Yeah. And as well as those partner relationships too. Yeah. So let's let's dive into pipeline a little bit. So more broadly than just events, obviously in partner marketing, you know, pipeline is a, a key metric of success. You know, how are you helping teams, you know, through all your experience, like what's the best practice to getting to that result? Like how are you helping people get there? Sure. Um, I, I've had a model that has definitely been the recipe for success uh, for me across a number of different companies. It includes pipeline generation, but actually that's the last of the four pillars. Mm-hmm. So if we think about us as partner marketers, um, we need to create awareness. Partners have so much coming at them. So how are we creating awareness of not only our brand, but our products and our resources, the use cases that we're solving for, who are the personas that we're going after, what's happening. So we just need to start with that that awareness build of all of the things that we're doing as a company. We need to have field engagement. We can do all of the fun awareness things. We can put up all of the you know vanity metrics of you know counting so many different things, but if we don't have that engagement at the field level, you know, this definitely will not work. So how are we thinking about our marketing strategy from awareness, engagement, enablement? There's training, there's resources, and pipeline generation. Because if we start with pipeline generation, we could we could do a lot of events. Mm-hmm. We could do a number of, you know, happy hours. We can do lots of different things. And we can fill the room. That, that means we're good party planners. Yeah. So if you didn't, if you're not aware, if you're not engaged, if you're not enabled, what am I doing with all of those leads then? Yeah. So those I love that. definitely good are the party planners though. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, I, not to cut you off, but I mean, that, that's a great line. Um, but I see so many people doing that. It's if I just throw a better party, I'll get greater results. And they don't convert. Yeah. They don't convert. You, I mean, they may have a good experience the customers, the prospects, but if our partners don't know, hey, okay, thanks for coming. Oh, and by the way, I know that you're trying to solve this particular challenge within your environment. We can do that for you with Cscaler. Mm-hmm. If they didn't have all of that foundation, again, we're going to throw a good party and those leads are not going to convert. So I, And it's about trust, too. For our partners, they certainly have choice. They have vendors on their line cards. They have competitors on their line cards. So once we, you know, really prove ourselves, which we have in the technical superiority from a product perspective, do they trust you? Do they know you? These are all of those elements that are, you know, probably less talked about in partner marketing, equally important. It sounds like the foundation. Yeah. Okay. So I don't want to sound like an internet stalker. <laughs> it's a great way to start my question, right? <laughs> I saw a picture of you on LinkedIn at the the channel, the Women of the Channel Leadership Conference yes. recently. So I wanted to ask you about that and hear about it. I mean, I've, I've seen it. I've never attended it. What's it like? Oh have you been gosh. before? Yeah, tell I me have. everything. So I have been probably across four different companies. Um, I've really, it's something that I'm very passionate about. Um, here at Zscaler, we sent you know a contingent of ten females. We also had our channel chief Carl Sarun come in 
we actually had him crash the event a little bit at the end. <laughs> um, and he's really tall, so he definitely stood out. But yeah. he came in to also host a dinner for the people that were there and our extended teams. Um, this conference is it, it's just one of the many things that we can do to invest in our people. It's definitely that you know inspiring, empowering, and professional development type of a conference. There's 1,300 women wow. that attend. And when I started going to that conference, I mean, it was in the mere hundreds. Wow. It's also super fun because it's like a huge reunion. Yeah. Because when you've worked in the industry for a long time, people may be at competitors, but they're still your friends yeah. and you get to see all of them. But for, for us and for me specifically, being able to... Um, bring a number of people for the very first time, invest in our people in, in this way, um, and to also just collaborate in person you know, with our channel managers, our channel leaders. We had our head of DE&I that also joined with us. It just nice. demonstrates, I mean, the commitment of the company for her to come fly to New York yeah. to spend some time with us. And it's really important when we think about attracting women into tech, um, focusing on, you know, the diverse workforce. So it's just one of those elements that I think adds to that because we definitely work in a very male-dominated industry. We're getting better. Um, so anything that we can do as, as individuals, as professionals, to attract more people into the industry, but also to cultivate the leadership and the talent that we have to move to that next level. And I do think that this type of a conference is exactly one of those things where we're investing in people, we're giving, showing them tools and resources yeah. to move to the next level. Yeah, you know, it's, you know, listening to your, you know, career, you've had people in your lives that have, have been there for you, sponsored you, mentored you. I imagine there's a lot of people out there that might not have that in their job, and it sounds like a conference like this could give them an opportunity to find that. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. That's great. And that was here in New York, right? It was. Okay. Maybe, maybe I'll find a way to crash it sometime. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I wanted to ask you, you're, you're the new boss in town. You've been here a couple months mm -hmm. at Zscaler, but now you have a new boss. I do. Yeah. So new CMO came on board. You know, what, what's your approach for having a new boss? Like, and you don't have to be specific to Zscaler, mm -hmm. but like, what advice would you give to someone out there that's in your shoes or maybe a couple levels below you? They have a new VP of Global Partner Marketing like yourself mm -hmm. that comes in or a new CMO. Like, how should they approach that? Sure. Um, I think it starts with visibility and back to that relationship building um, to make sure to take the time to get to know the person, to also want to walk them through, you know, which I did was just walk through the basics. Mm -hmm. Here's my team. This is what we do. Um, here's the areas where we're focused. So you're making sure that, that you're kind of front and center in that, that person's mind as well. Um, but also for the, the feedback and what any senior executive can come and you know, we can all learn at every stage of our career. So when you have a senior executive coming in like we do here at Zscaler and Joyce to say, you know, here's some of the things that we're working on, guidance you know, is welcome. Did you do it better somewhere else? Yeah. Um, but I think it's it absolutely starts with, with that visibility and th those relationships to start forming that because that person's coming in new. They're drinking from the fire hose. Yeah. They have a lot of people coming at them. So, you know, it's, I think the biggest thing is not to assume that any anybody in any given role is going to 
just because you send emails or just because you have QBR decks that they really understand what you're doing because n none of us can. So that sit down, that personal walkthrough, and then that continued communications. Um, and I'll let you know how it goes. It's still new. Yeah, and she's no. on day seven. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I love, you know, it's, it's back to the basics. Don't assume. But, you know, what I really take from that is it don't come from a position of, of defending everything, but be open to, to feedback. Like they're, they're probably in that position for a reason. Yeah. And they could probably share a lot and, and provide new perspectives. So I think a lot of us, when we have a new boss, it's like, I have to defend everything I've done. And like that could almost put up a wall. That shouldn't be there. It's a really good point. And I think um, being very transparent, whether it's with a new boss or in general, and I see this a lot, um, people think that something should look one way or another. I should have a QBR and I should have a dashboard and this is how it looks and I'm going to give you all these numbers. Um, sometimes the answer is, I don't know. Yeah. Or this is, this is kind of broken and we're working to fix it. And I think that transparency, because otherwise... If you try to come at it and, and you're not on solid footing, and sometimes we're not. There's certain things where we are just not, where we're still working through it. And if you're not transparent about that, it's just going to shine through yeah. much sooner rather than later. But why wouldn't we want to be you know, transparent and not like, hey, here, here's what we're doing really well. Here's what we're really proud of. Here's the areas where we're still working through them. Yeah. Well, with you and Joyce on board, I'm sure there's exciting things ahead. Zscaler, $5 billion. Here yeah. we come. Yeah. So one last question for you, the same question I ask every guest. What's the one piece of advice you'd leave for, for the audience out there? Oh, and you've already gave great advice, so oh I don't know how gosh. you top some of that. All right. <laughs> um, I think it comes back to that career journey. Um, remember that your career is not linear. It's not how it works anymore. And, and try to take that broad, you know, that, that broad scope when you're looking at that. And um, build, build and cultivate those relationships. You can learn and grow from anyone. It doesn't need to be the person above you or their boss's boss. Every single person in your, really in your orbit, I, I believe we can learn and grow from all of those people. So I'd say cultivating those relationships and being open to that learning experience is, um, is really something for all of us to keep in mind. Well, that's great. Well, I've learned a lot today from you coming on the show. So. Thank you. This was a lot of fun. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, cheers. cheers. Hold on. I've been, oh. <laughs> I've been the one drinking all the time. I gotta, can't cheers an empty okay. glass. There we go. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you. Well, I hope you had fun with me and Melissa, and I hope you stay tuned for my next episode because I have on Hondo Lewis, Senior Director of Sales of Partner Marketing here at Foundry. In Hondo's role, he gets to work with hundreds of partner marketers, and he has a lot to share with you. So stay tuned. This podcast has been brought to you by IDG Communications Incorporated, doing business as Foundry. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed on this program are those of the participants and do not necessarily represent those of Foundry or the participants' companies.